Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Hi, my name is Rory Kenterbrand. I'm your host today on Arch Talk 101, and we have a special guest with us today. Uh, Christian is, is on the, the line with us. How are you doing today? Christian? Doing good, Roy. How are you? Doing great. Going to have another fun day at Talking Archery. Sounds like a plan. Well, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little something about yourself? Sure. Not a problem. Uh, my name is Christian Moore. Uh, I live in the Tidal River region of Virginia, just off the of Chesapeake. Um, moved here from North Carolina about five years to pursue my goals and aspirations of becoming a charter captain. That's currently what I do. I own and operate Real Country Guide Service here in Virginia. Uh, we target uh, big trophy blue catfish on the primarily the James River and the Rappahannock River. Yeah, the blue catfish are fun to catch. They are a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I think I, I could have a whole podcast just on fishing, you know, because I have a lot of a lot of friends that fish and I, I fish. And but, you know, we're here today to talk about archery, at least to start with anyway. Oh, so, for sure. Yep. <clears throat> how and why did you get started in archery? Uh, really, the biggest reason I picked up archery is I was looking for something more challenging. Um, growing up as a young fellow hunting, you know, my, my dad was a, a big, big into gun hunting, uh, done really well at it, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But I got to a certain point where I was, you know, looking for something a little more challenging. And I guess, uh, strike my interest seeing the guys who were in archery being able to get out in the woods early season and get an opportunity to get get at those bucks when they're you know still roaming in their bachelor packs early in the season and just something different more challenging I guess yeah and that's what a lot of the, it is more challenging it takes more work but you do get a lot closer to the game uh, you know I had for one sure. guy that was asked to you know he, he bow hunted he's you know going for you know, all the big games in, in United States. And uh, he asked one time, I said, what's the difference between a bow hunter and a gun hunter? And he said, the time you spend hunting. Because, yeah. you know, going on a hunt, you're going to you're gonna stay in the same amount of time preparing for the hunt, whether it's gun or bow. You're going to stay in the, you know, same amount of time getting there, getting set up to go hunt. And then after you kill the animal, you're going to spend the same amount of time doing it. So what's different? You know, on a rifle, you could go out the first day and you see one, you know, 200 yards away, 300 yards away, and you shoot, your hunt's done. With a bow, you know, we're just getting started. You know, now yep. I have to how to get close to bow range and 200 yards is not not bow range. Um, oh, absolutely not. You know, that's, <laughs> and, you know, when I mentioned the word, you know, challenging, uh, you know, it's, to me, it was, a, it was about the hunting itself. You, you really had to learn how to pattern these animals um whatever the wind was doing that day you had to be very mindful of that you know if you're, you're rifle hunting on a big cutover or something or a field you don't have to be uh as sensitive towards what the wind and the weather's doing but archery i mean you, you got to be like a ninja out there to, to get good shots on yeah. these animals and uh that added level of difficulty is or for me at least was one of the things that drew me to it the most <clears throat> so 
what what's been your most challenging hunt with your bow? Uh, most challenging hunt. I'll tell you, uh, I had been, this is probably my third or fourth year uh, toting a bow in the woods. And I had a, a really, really good animal. Been uh, seeing him on camera for the past couple years. I, I would see him early season. And then, you know, when gun would come in, he, uh, you know, all the people getting in the woods, you, you wouldn't see him that much anymore. So the, the first year I saw him, uh, didn't didn't get opportunity to draw down on him. And then for the next two seasons, I thought it was gone. I thought somebody had killed the deer. And then the, the that fourth season, I saw the buck. He was a real, real nice, uh, he's probably 160, 165 class animal. And I saw him crossing uh, one of my shooting lanes and he was right at the, the outskirts of where I feel comfortable of cutting the arrow loose. He, he was right around 45 yards. And I got so excited I forgot, I shoot a, I was at the time I was shooting a one pin sight optimizer, HHA optimizer. And I got buck fever so bad, I forgot to, to turn that pin up and turn the dial and, and shot right up under him. That was, that was very difficult to stomach for sure from a difficulty, but probably physical difficulty, probably stalking. I've, I've killed one deer stalking them with a bow. Uh, I think that's probably the most challenging thing is stalking stalking an animal in the wild and uh, getting a kill. Yeah, that is because you, you make one wrong move and one move in the wrong time and, you know, they yeah. catch you and they're, they're gone. And uh, it it can be challenging. And, you know, cornfields are an interesting way to hunt, you know. You mm -hmm. go through them, you kind of stick your head through and look both ways and, and then kind of stick through. And, and the wind is yeah, the best time to do it because it makes so much noise. <laughs> It was so much like another thing I liked about it. It was so much pregame. You know, you, you get in the woods, you, you you set your your stand up or your ground blind or wherever you're hunting, and and I would I would spend hours in the woods before the season would even come in, picking shooting lanes, trying to hypothesize where they were going to be, where they were going to move. I would have different things and you know different trees in, in the woods. I would range them and kind of add the memory what ranges the, those marks were at to kind of help me. Cause a lot of times when a deer walks in on you, you don't have time to, or to be able to make the movement, to bring that range finder up because you don't want to get busted. Right. So anytime you can preemptively plan and, and know all your yardages around you, that, that definitely helps. Yeah, that, that helps. And, and, you know, like you said, you had a one pin and you forgot to set it. Well, that's the yeah. disadvantage of a single pin. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I used to shoot a more of a traditional multi-pin shot. You know, I think you and I had talked about this the other day when you reached out to me because I ended up having to shoot a clarifier with my prescription glasses over the course of a few years as I kept shooting. I started to get really bit, bad uh, pin blur <clears throat> on the multi-pin sites because right. my prescription kept changing and changing as my eyes were growing older and eventually it got to the point where I had to go to a one pin because I was having trouble deciphering the the multi-pin shooting 
uh, sites. Yeah, and, and therein is, is the advantage of a single pin. You only got one pin. So if right. you set it, you don't have to figure out, okay, which pin do I use? You know, it's already decided for you. And, you know, it, it can be either way. You know, I still use multiple pins um, just because that's what I'm used to. And I still use multiple pins, but, uh, uh, you know, in my hunting bow as well as my uh, a bow I use for a target and everything else. Uh, sure. Yeah, if it works, but like I would still shoot a multi-pin sight. I, I kind of, I really uh, was was not happy having to go to a one pin, but uh, it, it did help help me see better. <clears throat> and, and that's the whole thing, you know. Whatever we need to do, you know, if if it gets down where we have to go to a crossbow to still stay in the field, hey, go with crossbow. It's still archery. Yep, for sure. Yeah, you know, kind, of, kind of like I said, just about every episode, you know, archery is a stick with a string flinging another stick. If it fits in that ca that category, then it's archery. Uh, so, you know, yeah, because you know, as you, as you grow older, you don't you don't have the strength, so your joints start getting bad. I when I was when I was a young fella, I used to have a a different mindset, you know, especially with some of the older guys shooting crossbows and stuff. Now that you know, I'm I'm over forty, I I get it. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Well, and for a long time in Nebraska, crossbow fit under the firearm season. You couldn't use it during archery unless you you were physically unable to draw and hold back a traditional type of bow, whether it be longbow, compound bow, or recurve. Um, if you couldn't do that, then you could use a crossbow. But they've changed that now, so they they consider a crossbow during the archery season. So it's open for anybody and. Nice on that is somebody that is going from firearm to archery can pick up the crossbow and be right in there really good because you shoot it basically the same way. You That's bring right. it up, you, you put the scope on it, and you squeeze the trigger. Uh, you mm -hmm. start getting into compounds, and now you you shoot them di differently. You know, you're yeah. holding them differently, you're shooting them differently, and recurves and longbows. You know, you're still um, you know holding fairly sa the same, but you're releasing differently because normally using fingers. Right. You know, so and they just all shoot a little differently. And, you know, that's, and the other reason, you know, I like crossbows is, you know, for the younger kids, you know, they don't have the strength, you know, that maybe they, they can only shoot 30, 35 pounds. And nice about the crossbow is now it doesn't matter because you can put cranks on them to cock them. So as long as you're, you're strong enough to turn a crank, you can cock a, a crossbow. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy that. That is a, that's a good point that you brought that up, Roy. Because you know, one of my biggest passions is seeing our youth get into outdoors, and that that does allow you know the young boys and girls to archery hunt within season as a crossbow. That's that's a very good point. Yeah, yep. yeah, and and you know, you don't have to have a lot of uh, draw weight to kill a deer. Mm -mm. You know, I. Uh, now, if you get the lighter weights, you want to stay at the, a fixed blade, you know, going to be slower and yeah. you do sacrifice some of your tank energy with the mechanical, uh, even the really good ones, you're going to sacrifice some um, energy just to open the, the blades up. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the lighter pounded bows, you know, if you're shooting 30, 40, you know, maybe even 50 pounds, you know, you really should be shooting a, a fixed blade. And, sure. and there's a lot of different ones out there. And, you know, I, I like you know, the, the tough ones. Um, 
I, I shoot a muzzy. I've been shooting muzzy for several decades. That was the first broadhead I bought to put on my my bow. Uh, the shop owner, that's what she recommended. And I've been shooting it ever since. I haven't shot anything else. Uh, I do have a set of uh, um, Montac mechanicals when I didn't have time to set up my bow and I was going to get out and I was going to use my target bow. And then I had mm -hmm. to worry about setting it up. But I didn't get out for that either. So um, that's that's all I shoot is, is uh, muzzies. And, you know, you can get them where they fly consistently. They never fly like their field tips. You know, no matter what no, you say, no. yeah, they're not going to fly the same. Don't even try. I have two different bows. So I have one bow set up for, for hunting and the site set up to shoot the broadheads. They all group the same. So I can, you know, I set them up, you know, where I'm shooting the X rings in them. You know, I can hit those with my broadheads like I can with the field tips, but not with the same bow, you know, or the right. same sight. So my option is to either get one with a dovetail on it and change sights or unbolt it, bolt up the other sight. If I only have one bow, you know, buy two sights, set one up for broadheads and one up for your field tip and then just switch them back and forth. Now, I've, yeah. I have a couple of bows, uh, so I I have one set up for shooting field tips, one set up for shooting broadheads. And, you know, you don't need the latest and greatest bow. My hunting bow is a 2001 PSE Carrera. I've had since 2001 okay. when I was, when I was a PSC dealer and, uh, uh, and then a couple of years later, they come out with a Scorpion. That's my other bow, you know, PSC is I what I, what I shoot. Yeah. I, I, shot, have, I, shot, I had two different, different, uh, hunting arrows. Uh, it just depended on what, uh, what block of woods or what area I was hunting on that particular day. I, I, I prefer a, a, a fixed blade broadhead. I shot the uh, the Montec G5 for years, um, and if I was hunting, you know, close range stuff up to 30 yards, 30, 35 yards, I preferred using that. But then on the other side of the coin, um, if I was hunting an area that I knew I might potentially, you know, have a shot that was 40, 45, 50 yards potentially, I, I kind of more lean towards the mechanical side of things because I have more confidence in them just from their trajectory and flight path. It was a little bit more uh, repeatable practicing with them. Right. Yeah, because you, you have to go through and, and your broadheads, you have to tune them so they, they fly and you can uh, you can do some tuning with them um, on mine uh, by loosening and tightening the broadhead part on it. Uh, you can mm -hmm. get, you can steer it a little bit. Uh, what I do is I have something called a U-bar. It's a cone-shaped washer and a rubber O-ring. And depending on how tight I tighten it down, I can adjust it. And that's how I tune my arrows to shoot them all in the same spot. Now, they never fly like the field tips. Sure, um, right. They're, they're off at, at 20 yards. They're off probably an um, inch or two. Mm -hmm. But I don't care if I shoot my, my hunting bow with the field arrows. I don't care that they're not hitting in the center. I care that they're still grouping. Right, yeah, right. That's all we're yeah. ever looking for. Are, are they are they grouping? Because I know my broadheads will hit where I'm wanting to go, uh, but the field tips aren't. And then you know, if I'm going to do like three Ds, I grab the other bow, you know, because mm -hmm. it's set up to shoot field tips, and I don't like being shooting off. But just the practice with the hunting bow, yeah, I'm just going through the motions of, you know, getting familiar with the bow because I do shoot slightly different. Sure, there are different bows. Yeah. Now. The one thing I've seen is as the bows are getting shorter and faster and faster, uh, the fixed blades are getting harder and harder to control. 
because uh, makes sense. One one of the things that you know we've talked this on a couple other the podcasts. You know, as as the bows get faster and faster and shorter and shorter, uh, they get harder and harder to control. So they are going to magnify any mistakes you have. Yeah, and or less and if, That's a good yeah. point. And then the fixed blades, because they're so much faster, now that fixed blade up front, now you get the wings up front and wing back. And as you get them faster, then they're just harder to get them in sync for a slower arrow. It's going to be, you know, less sensitive to that speed. Uh, so a lot of different, a lot of different aspects you can go through and and tuning them up. But, so what's been your most memorable hunt? Oh, without without a doubt, man. Uh... Uh, I shot a eight pointer opening day, still in velvet. I had always wanted to, to take a deer in velvet, and it was the it was actually the first deer I ever got mounted that I killed with a bow. Um, I've always got in my stand super early. For whatever reason, people have always said you're crazy for going in there at late, but I'll I'll sit in a tree hour and a half, two hours before the sun starts to come up. Uh, I had had some uh, pretty good pictures of this animal. Uh, had it patterned pretty good, um, <clears throat> but he didn't come. He didn't come through at the time that uh, I had been seeing him on camera. He was a little late that morning, and I was hunting the edge of a cornfield on my father's property. This was in uh, Rockham, North Carolina, and. It was probably almost three hours after daylight. I had seen a few does come in. And I'm like, where are all these good bucks that I've been seeing on camera? And then off in the distance, about 100 yards, uh, I could see one coming out of the, the cornfield. And it was, it was, a, uh, it was an eight-corner, too, not quite as big as this one. But, uh, you know, I was patient. And... Uh, Sure enough, it was a bachelor pack of them roaming, and, and the one I had been wanting, he came in, and Roy, when I tell you, right when I drew down on this deer, he turns, and he goes from a broadside position. He doesn't see me, he doesn't bust me, but he just turns, and I don't know if he maybe he may have heard me draw, but he didn't look up in my direction. He just changed his body posture. And he was pretty much in line with me. Uh, and I had already drawn down. And I was fixing to release, you know, because I'd been holding for probably 30, 45 seconds. But then he looked up in my direction. And I'm like, great. So here I am, arms starting to get weak. <laughs> and uh, he drops his head, starts feeding again. And I let back down off the bow and a couple minutes pass by, but he never turns back and gets broadside. And he had kind of quartered a little bit to where I could see, and I took a, I took a gamble, I took, I drew back down on him and I took a not so smart shot, but hit him directly in the chest. It was, hit his heart perfectly and dropped him, but it was, it was pretty, pretty hairy there for a while. Yeah, that you draw back on the and they're looking at you. You can't do anything. You can't let down. You can't release because they're not in position. Right. 
Yeah, it's there's there's so many boxes that you have to check. And and at that point I was I was fairly inexperienced. And you know, looking back on that, I probably now would not take a shot like that. But uh the odds were in my favor that day. But you know, going back to what I was saying, you know, you gotta check all these boxes before you let an arrow fly. And it's gotta be it's gotta be a good shot with with a bow and arrow to make sure that you don't have to do a whole pile of tracking. Yeah, and sometimes you're gonna, no matter how good the shot is, sometimes you still gotta track them for quite a ways. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Yeah, it's, you know, like earlier, you know, you don't need a lot of weight, it's all shot placement. You know, if you can get in there and miss all the ribs, you know, it's, you don't need much weight to go through, but if you try to start and go through some of the shoulders and, uh, you know, then then you have a little bit more problem. You know, yeah, is that, is that as I've become to familiarize myself with the anatomy of the deer, I, I really did try to, to get a good heart shot whenever I could, you know, cause it's one, you're not going to have to track them as far. And I, you know, I try not to use the word humane when you're talking about killing an animal, but yeah. you shoot, you shoot a deer in a heart with a good place shot. It, it's, it's going to be a quick process. They're not going right. to go full. They're going to expire quickly. And, and you know, like that's just you said, we don't want to make a bad shot for one. You know, they're mm -hmm. they're going to suffer longer than they need to. That's um, right. You know, and and the way the archery kills is that they're, they're they bleed out. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's just what they do. And you know, if you make a really bad shot, then you know, get it. You know, gut shots. You know, those are the worst ones because they may or may not die. You know, even that day or that week. You know, so. You know, we kind of avoid those if at all possible, but you know, we've all made bad shots. Oh, it it happens happens very frequently. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many how many deer I've I've caped out and found pieces of broadheads, arrows, all sorts of things in them from, that had been in there. Maybe not even from that season, but maybe you know, last year, the year before that, a year before that. I mean, it it happens a lot for sure. Yeah, I had I had one that there was a, uh, one of the fixed blade ones that have the blades that are just barely held in or something, and you put them in, and, and they just kind of a little knob at the back and and kind of top and screw the tip on. I found one of those in the in the uh, backstrap when I was cutting off on one buck that I shot, and and then one year I was out hunting. This guy told me that you know he shot a deer and just skimmed its back, you know, just just barely skimmed the back. A little bit later that season, I shot that same doe. It's like What's this? Oh, that's because that's right where you said he cut it. Just sliced you right at the top of the, the top of the back and and missed missed everything vital. Just cut the hide and and that was the one I shot later. And um, you know, yeah, I, I I killed one one time. It was a doe and it it had uh the arrow had or the broadhead had went right kind of in that back strap area, and it had about an inch inch and a half of the actual arrow sticking out of its body. And there's no telling how long it had been there because, the, you know, everything had grown and fused around it. Yeah. It's crazy how tough those animals are, man. Yeah, they are pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty tough animal and, you know, they're good to eat. Yeah. <laughs> exciting what's exciting your, not. What's your most memorable hunt, Roy? Well, um, I would say it's probably the one I had my son with me and 
we had this deer was coming in and I stood back there and watched him stock up on this deer and he didn't get it because he didn't know when it's behind a tree draw but I watched him stock up on this deer and and that was kind of cool to do that and another time yeah. I was out with him and 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 it had been raining and it was supposed to quit raining it didn't quit raining it raining so finally we decided you know we're gonna go so I got my son with me the other guy I hunted with was was there we're starting to walk out we're going down and here we've seen this deer so sure. I stopped and I, I told my son it's like okay get stand behind me because he's looking at me he's not looking at you and just get ready and and you know then but it did spook off before we got a chance to uh, uh for him to take a shot at it because I was gonna say okay um you know just slowly step out and and, and you know take a shot but didn't quite get the time but you know those are kind of things that you remember pretty well and yeah that that's cool you get to enjoy it with your children for sure <clears throat> yeah I have a few of those like that I had my my one youngest son with me and I put a tree stand next to me and had him all camoed all up and and I gave him the deer call and this is hey, you call you can't make, do it wrong because I says yeah. you know if they if they're coming in they're coming away you want them to just be quiet and you know there's three things going to happen if you do a call they're either going to hear it or not hear it they're going to come to it or run away that's right you know if they hear it they're either come to you run away or you know ignore it so that's all they're going to do and it, it doesn't matter what you're doing with it. Uh, there was one time I had a, a, gut, a grunt call and I, I heard what sounded like, you know, when duck hunters get bored, you know, kind of goofing around with the call. You know, I've done that. And I heard this sound of, ah, ah. So I just figured it was a duck hunter. Next I know, here comes these uh, two does walking in and the one doe was doing it. So th that's when in Nebraska, we only had two tags all we could get. And I already shot a doe, so now I hunt bucks until you know December time frame, and then then I'll I'll shoot whatever to fill the tag. So it was mm -hmm. time I was only hunting bucks right then because I'd already had you know one down, and so I went on a call and I went you know and I just kind of I don't know I really goofy sounding call, and the one doe that wasn't doing the bleeding come running straight to my stand. I'm looking at it through my tree stand, and she's standing down underneath underneath my tree stand looking around for this buck. <laughs> And I could hear the other doe just kind of bleating as he's walking off and then just walked off. I, I swear she had to hit my pole rope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I got a I got a, a favorite saying I like to always say, and it's and this could be in the woods or out on the water. Uh, you know, you're wanting to catch a big fish or or harvest a, a good buck or something. You gotta look at it like this. It's either gonna happen or it's not. The key is just to keep going. And, and stay going and, and it eventually will happen just don't get discouraged just stay positive and and, and keep at it and eventually something good will come your way yeah that's you just got to keep going out and doing it and that's you know that's that's what counts the, the fun part in there um i remember one time i, I was out and i got my bow sitting there because i like you know, like i like to be at my tree stand an hour before shooting time yeah you know, sure. so you got sunrise, half hour before sunrise, we can shoot. So I like to be there an hour before. One, if I make any noise, spook anything up, I can get there, I can get down and relax and, you know, kind of cool off from the walk in. And this one morning I'm sitting, I got my bow hanging up on, on the hanger because I, I hang it up until it's about time to shoot anyway. And I'm watching the sun start coming up and I start seeing a frost form on all the trees. And I'm watching it form on my bow. 
because it's sitting out there. Frost yep. is forming on all the trees. And then later that later that morning, and you know, mid mid-morning when I went back home, uh, along the road going back, there's a whole bunch of row of evergreen trees and they're all covered with frost. It's like that's don't you love I love I love stuff <laughs> like that, Roy. It's, you know, it's not it's not only about the, you know, the the kill or the hunt. It's just getting out there and, and experiencing nature and getting to see stuff that probably 90% of the population don't even know you can you can see your experience. Yeah. And you're sitting in your tree stand all cameled up and a bird comes land, you know, with within you can kick it. It's so close. A um, bird or a, a squirrel yeah. or a, a black bear cub. I had a black bear cub come up the tree one time. Oh, <laughs> in a climbing stand and uh he come all the way up to the the base of the stand and stops you know he's doing that you know kind of like a dog does looking at me yeah and he uh he goes to put his paw up on the the base of the stand and all the while i'm sitting there thinking this is the cub where's the mom at right <laughs> and he you know he goes to continue try to continue uh climbing up the tree and I put my foot in front of his head. And so he just shuffles around to the other side and starts trying to come up. And then, I, you know, in a stern voice, I'm like, no. And then he goes back around to the other side. And then I have to put my boot on his forehead and say no and push him down. And he, eventually, <laughs> he just he wasn't scared at all. He had this this curious personality about him. Like he was not afraid one bit about me. He was just trying to figure out what was going on and what was up in that tree but he <laughs> he eventually crawled back down and, and wandered off but I never I never did and it was it was a young bear I, you know definitely definitely should have been with his mother but uh never saw her thank thank goodness yeah <laughs> yeah that you know that that's the kind of stories that's it's all you know the interesting the things you remember and um you know of course we all like to go out there and kill a deer because we got the meat when we get to go home but you know, so those other memories that that is always nice to to do, and you know, you've got these tracking things. Where you're you're tracking a deer, and you know, those are all stories in themselves. But um, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's always interesting things that happen out there. Um, you know, I've had friends of mine tell me that birds have actually landed on them. Yep. You know, yeah. because you you look like a tree. You're sitting there, and they just land on you. They don't know. Uh, squirrels, yep. they they can't figure if you're in camo. The squirrels can't oh, what you are. I've had them crawl right, yeah, right by me, right over me. Yep. Yeah, I've had it a, a couple times. I had a squirrel it was one place. It was not much going on, and and uh, this squirrel come out, and I'm sitting in the tree stand, and and I'm not sure if season's open yet because I have my hunting tag, so I can you know I can shoot them if I wanted to. So I reach in my pocket, pull out my wallet, open it up, pull the card out, says, ah. Squirrel season's open. Put it back and put it in my pocket. All this time, the squirrel's looking at me while I'm doing all this. So then I draw back on it. It's still looking at me. And so then I shoot the squirrel. And I don't shoot up in the tree because I don't want to lose the arrows. But this is down on the ground. It just went right through. And it's, he just sit there and watch me the whole time. <laughs> Couldn't figure me out. Guilty as charged. I've, I've done that <laughs> before as well. I, it was definitely I was walking out and this this squirrel was on top of a fence post and there's tall grass on the other side of the fence. And he's just looking at me. I'm walking by and I'm actually waving my arms. He's just looking at us. I'm not going to shoot him because I'm not losing an arrow in, in a grass field that tall, you know, for a squirrel. <laughs> right. 
you know, if bad enough, I just sharpen the blades on the on the broadhead. But uh, now that old uh, that old two thousand one bow that you're shooting, what kind of arrows do you shoot out of that bow? I shoot a PSC carbon arrow. Okay. Yeah, I I've got what they they call their comp pros with their one thousand straightness one because that's pretty much all I I shoot. Mm -hmm. uh, We've talked this in other podcasts, but uh, uh, you know the straight of the arrow, the tight of the groups. Yeah, the tight of the groups, the more accuracy you're going to have, and the the longer range you can shoot because you have a more accurate arrow. That's correct. What spine uh, is it? Uh, well, PSC they go uh, two, three, and four. The, the higher number is the stiffer spine. Where a lot of them go different, they go the reverse direction, so it's amount of deflection. PSCs yeah. go differently, and they're a 300 spine, which is what I need for a 70-pound arrow. Yeah. Or a 70-pound bow, yeah. not an arrow. The yeah, arrow, though, weighs 70 pounds. <laughs> I, know, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. <laughs> yeah, the, the arrows for my target, they weigh about 370-some grains. Your target arrow is 370, okay. Yeah, and my hunting one's a little bit heavier because... Uh, I tried uh, PSC come out with they called the Hunter Shaft, which is a seven thousand straightness arrow. So I got some of those in to try them out and see what they were like. And you know, so I've got my broadheads on and I'm tuning them up. And what happened? They set four hundred spine, which is heavier than a three hundred spine. And so I got them all set up. I got my bow set up. You know, I could keep them in the X. You know, with with that that low tolerance, but I'd keep them in in the the white on the five spot. So as at the range I shoot, I shoot, you know, 20 yards or less where I shoot. So it really didn't make a, as much of a difference there. Well, when I get ready to replace them, that's when I discovered they, they were heavier. So now I had to put weight tubes in my hunting arrows to bring the weight up the same because I didn't want to readjust all my pants. You said weight tubes? You talking about a heavier yeah. insert? Right. You take the inside the shafts, there's a plastic tube that weighs you know, like one grain, an inch, two grains, an inch, whatever, whatever, the, there's different ones. So I was taking it and you take the knockout and then you put in the tubes and then you can bring your weight up. Oh, I, I wasn't familiar with that. I knew you could change weights by changing knocks and inserts and stuff, but I didn't know you could put change stuff inside the arrow. Right, right. Now, okay. if you have to, like some of the African hunts, you know, you have like a 700 grain arrow or something really heavy. And, you know, I, I've talked to other people where they'll they'll fill them with sand, you know, to get the weight. Um, you know, the heavier arrow does not stop when it hits something. You know, the lighter arrows will. And I like right. to equate it to, okay, you have a brick wall, you have a semi, and you have a Volkswagen, both traveling at 70 mile an hour. Which one goes through the brick wall? Yeah, but they're not going to get that 700-grain <laughs> arrow to go as fast as that Volkswagen. No, no. <laughs> what, they, what, what, what are the 700 grains? That's yeah, that, that's what I heard somebody say, you know, go 700-grain arrow. A lot of them like the 400, 450 for hunting arrows that's, just for that reason. They're that's a little bit slower. My, I think my hunting arrow is about 430, 435. Yeah, and that's where mine ended up being because of the heavier spined uh, uh, shaft and heavier weight. Uh, so those are set up that way. Uh, but my other ones are, you know, I shoot 70 pounds and 370 grain arrow and at 29 inch draw length. And, okay. you know, so I'm I'm kind of pushing there on, on a limit because it, it's supposed to be 350 grains at 70 pounds. And mine's just barely over that. 
is where you really should be. And, you know, my hunting one's a little bit heavier, but, you know, I don't, you know, I don't care. That's, that's how they, they shoot good. And that's all I cared about. <laughs> well, three, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, it uh, 350 grain area, that's what they IBO the bows at. Right. Yeah. So that, that's what, um, when they give you the rated speed of a bow, it's 70 pounds, one knock point, um, 350 grain arrow, 30 inch draw length. So okay. they shoot them at that. That is the standard for doing a speed. So if they say it's an IBO speed of 320 feet per second, which actually my hunting bow, that's what it was rated at back in 2001. So that is the speed, the max speed that bow is going to put out. Now, if you're not shooting 70 pounds, you're not going to get it. If you're not shooting a 350 grain arrow, most people are shooting heavier because most arrows are going to come in a little heavier than that. You're not going to get the speed. If you have anything on there besides a knock point, you're not going to get that speed. So mostly put a peep on there. That's going to slow it down. Uh, if you put any string dampening on it, that's going to slow it down. Uh, you right. put a loop on it, that's going to slow it down because the loop's going to weigh more than more than the knock point. Um, you know, on, on mine, if you you know get a chance to see me in my setup, I have the the sims, the uh, string dampeners, the the string leeches. I put one on both ends of my string. I also put them on my control cable and my uh, uh, Y cable. So I have them all over the place. Because, uh, sure. you know, if you take the, the, the string and then you, you kind of pull back on it and pluck it, it's going to ring. You put yep. a dampener in it and you have a thud. So I'm taking all those high-pitched rings and dampening them all down. Now, it's going to slow down my bow. Yep. You know, I, I, it's rated at 320. I, I think last time I looked at it, it was like, uh, 260, 270, right in that range. Um, I haven't chronoed it in, in quite a while, but you yeah, know, everything, I, everything is a give and take. You know, it, right. it doesn't matter how loud it is if you're taking a 15 yard shot, but if you're you're shooting a little bit further, that they'll hear it and jump. Yeah, in that millisecond that they have to move. Well, and that that quiets it down, also reduces the vibration. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that. The, the older bows, they had a lot of forward motion. So you had to have a sling on them because they wouldn't sit in your hand. You didn't have a sling because proper way to shoot is don't grip your bow. Let it do what it wants to do because it'll do the same thing every time. As soon yep. as you start gripping it, you're going to change the way it shoots. Yeah. Now, I've seen people. Yep. Yeah. I've seen people have a bow that will shoot perfect paper holes with the arrow, and, but they can't do it because they got a death grip on it and they're making. They're making the bow do weird stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, because I've done that too. You know, where somebody's shooting get terrible too, and I shoot it's like, ain't nothing wrong with it. It's the shooter. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of lot of things that you know solved by the shooter, because you can take a bow that is completely out of tune and shoot out a shooting machine. It'll put the same arrow in the same hole every time. Mm -hmm. It may do goofy stuff on the way. You know, right. A good tune, you know, well tuned bow. Is going to shoot even better, you know. It's not going to take and you know magnify your mistakes as much because it's shooting good. So now you just have a whole lot of um, stuff going on that you can fix. And you know, I've been an archery instructor since '95, and I've taught hundreds of people how to shoot. And that's sure. why it's fun when when you when you can do that. I remember one time when I was at uh, uh, Cabela's, I was working in the archery department, and uh, uh, this guy he he just couldn't. What bow wouldn't group or nothing. So he figured it was the rest. So he wanted to drop away on it. And 
I don't know if you know, when you set up a drop away, you have to shoot them to see if they're going to work. You know, we can't just say, okay, it's going to work, not going to work. So you, you, you shoot it. And there's, there's a couple guys in the range and I draw back, I shoot this one. I draw back again. I aim at the other arrow and I stick the two of them together. These guys, oh, how did somebody do that? Yeah, yeah well, this is the second one I've done when I worked at Cabela's. <laughs> <laughs> and about the sixth or seventh one I've done. And when the guy come in, it's like, it's shooting just fine. Right. And I was like, I could never get it to shoot. I, you know, I didn't say it, but, you know, I wanted to say, well, it ain't the bow, it's you, dude. Now, yeah. let's, let's, let's fix your form because you're wrong <laughs> and why you're doing it. Yeah, I never got to that. I, I could, I could adjust my cams and draw length and make D loops and stuff. But when it come down to, like you're talking about setting up a rest, you know, I would always go down to the local bow shop, get it put on there, let him watch me shoot it and make sure everything was right on it from that standpoint. Well, the, the easiest way and, and best way to set up a rest is uh, um, you take your sight off. There's a laser that you put on there and you yeah. shine it back. Uh, you put your arrow on there. You have it all knocked um, and you're going to shine it back on the string just so it's not right on your string. Then mm -hmm. you're going to point it out to the tip of the arrow and you're going to adjust that rest until that laser pointer is touching the tip of the arrow. Now you're perfectly center shot. Right. Can't get any closer than that. There's no reason to do any adjustment because that is perfect. Then um, you have your arrow for height. You want your arrow to go not directly through the with the burger buttonhole, which is all your rest mounts to. For those that don't know what that is, you want it to be, you know, slightly up a little bit, and then uh, you want to level your bow so your bow is is level. And then you put a level on your arrow and you adjust your, your knock point until that's that's level. So now mm -hmm. your, your bow is plumb and your arrow is level. That's right angle to the, the arrow makes a right angle to the string. Now you can kind of roughly look at it by putting a, a square up there and, and looking at it. Or if you don't have one, a piece of paper, they're square edges, you know, or close enough. So stick them up there, line them up, get square, you're good. Um, no reason to paper tune them because anything that's not shooting perfect holes after that, is most most likely you. Makes sense. Yeah, because when I put on a loop, the way I put them on, uh, you don't untie them. You know, if they're tied on correctly, you, you know, gotta, you gotta the, the little the, the little tech tip here, uh, when you before you tie your loop on, Matt, wax it. The knots will get tighter, mm -hmm. and you don't. You know, some somebody will say you got to have a knock point on there. No, I, I've done some some testing and uh, most your, your, well, your older bows for sure. Some of the new ones may not because there's such a sharp angle, who knows. But uh, um, I put the loop the loop above and below the knock and I have no space in there. So it's just tight against there, pulling back tight and way to go. And you don't want a real long loop. That's a good tip. Uh, okay. I cut my loops about four, I think four and a half inches long. I have one end burnt, measured out, cut four and a half inches, burn the other end, wax it, um, tie the loop. Now on them, I can't really show it here because I kind of describe it. When you tie them, you're going to have the part that loops over on one side, they'll be on the other side. So they have to be on opposite sides. And the reason sure. for that is that they're both on the same side. They're going to twist your string. So you, you're, pulling, you're pulling on one side of the string, where if you're on, on, on each side, now then you're pulling back straight. A gotcha. couple of little tips for 
you know, anybody listening that's trying to set one up and, you know, if you have any questions, I think, you know, the Arch Talk 101 Facebook group is a good place to go for uh, information like that. You know, you can post questions and, and you know, somebody get back. I've been a um, archery instructor since 95. I've been a, um, a bow tech. You know, I went down to PSE, spent a week down there in 2001 and been working on bows ever since. Um, a little before that, but I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Bro, I got a good question for you. What is your take on... Uh, practicing with your bow. A lot of guys, you know, after hunting seasons in there, they leave them in the, put them back in the case, they wax it real good, and they, they don't get it out till, you know, a couple weeks before the season comes in and start shooting. Are you a firm, big advocate of shooting annually, weekly, monthly? How, how often do you shoot? What do you feel is necessary to stay, I guess, in tune? Well, you need to do as much shooting as you can, you know, mm -hmm. to, a, to a point, you know, I know there's a lot of people, like you said, that after hunting season's over, they'll put it away a week before they're going to pull it out and start shooting it. Um, the problem with that is if there's something wrong, you have a week to get it fixed before a season starts. Yeah. Um, you know, having a shop, I've had people come in and says, is it normal for your bow to string to break, you know, over, over the summertime? And I says, no, if it's a bad string, it can. I've had one do it because I need to replace it. I just make a new string. I didn't make one, didn't make one. I was like, ah, I think time. I just, the other thing's going on. And next I open it up and string it broke. Well, it was many years old. Well, this one guy come in. I, I said, well, no, not normal. Let's see. So he opened up his case. And of course, yeah, the string was broke because it got cut. Because the broadheads are in the lid of the case, not covered. Ugh. Okay. And all it takes is a broadhead to touch your string because it's under a lot of pressure and it snaps. I'm like, That's right. well, yeah, it's normal when you put broadheads in there. Now, in my my hunting setup, I have my broadheads in my case, but they're in the quiver. The broadheads are actually covered. You know, I don't have open broadheads in there. You know, they're always in inside of a quiver or something. You know, yeah, something my thing, I keep I keep the 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 broadheads in the quiver, and then the rest of them are in a tackle box and in, in the workbench. Yeah, but yeah, it's I, I've talked to people that go out and every day they'll shoot six arrows. Mm -hmm. Just go out, shoot six arrows, and I know other people go out and they'll shoot a hundred arrows. You know, yeah, it all it depends on what you want to do, and you know if it's if you think it's a chore, then yeah, you're not going to want to do it. Now, for those that do put it up, like for the summertime, uh, I would get out at least a month before and start shooting it. You know, Absolutely. Move those muscles, because, you know, what happened to me one time was, you know, I'm doing all the shooting over the summertime come hunting season. You know, now it's hunting season. So I'm set up for hunting. That time I had one bow. So I'm going to set it up for hunting and I quit practicing. Well, one morning it was cold. I climbed up in the tree stand. I always like to draw my bow you know, before anything goes on, just, you know, just to kind of make sure things are right. Same thing. Yep. I could not pull the bow back. Now I shoot 70 pounds all the time, but I hadn't been shooting. So I'm trying to pull, I'm stringing, I'm straining, I'm pulling as hard as I can. I can't get it back for nothing. I was like, and I, and I hurt myself kind of doing it. So I sat there and waited. I was like, either I go home or just sit here and wait. So I sat there for a while and kind of warmed up because you're still stiff and everything in the morning and then right. i was able to get back but you know i hurt for a week after that it's you still, all because you still, 
do you still shoot a 70 pound draw? Yeah, I, I still shoot 70. I've got my one as I'm working on, I got it turned down to 60, but you know, my form for me shooting 70 pounds, I lock into my form easier with a little mm -hmm. bit lighter weight because it's, you know, I got the lead off. So I'm pulling back a bit lighter. I, I, I'm not as solid in my form because I, the little extra weight, I have to pull a little harder, which helps me lock the back muscles in because I'm straining a little bit harder. And that's, uh, that, that just seemed to work better for me. Sure. Right now, I got them cranked down to 60 while I'm I'm working on them because I don't want to worry about the weight, but then I'll get them cranked up to 70, you know, for, for hunting season. And, you know, I know it's, it's, I've shot some 300 rounds at, at 70 pounds and it seems like the, the last end is the better, the better as I go along, you know, I'm struggling more. I'm forcing in there a little harder and a little tighter and to, you know, keep everything going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I start the, the first one I had compound anyways was 60 and then i went to a i think the one i currently have is right at 73 <clears throat> but i've always I, I don't know the reason i asked i always i've always been told by a lot of a lot of guys who bow hunt that that is way overkill for uh for deer hunting and you don't need all that but i enjoy shooting it that's what i that's what i prefer yeah as well i i know well you don't need it uh but, you know, those little bit harder shots, you know, that come in, you're like, you, you actually hit on the shoulder blade. You know, that extra weight is going to punch through easier. That's right. Yeah. You know, if you make a, you know, you hit a bone, you know, especially the muzzies, you know, they're, they're saying it's bad to the bone. But, yeah, I've, I could show you some bones that it's shattered. <laughs> I believe you, you know, it. You know, I, I, or my, my one bow I had before I knew what what need to do i had too long of a draw leg you know i was way overdrawn and a big heavy coat that i heard the arrow hit my or the string hit my sleeve and of course it, you know i didn't make a good shot i don't know where i hit it but i seen the deer walk walk a little away and then just kind of lay down and you sure. know eventually died and i know why i didn't run off because then it hit i shattered the thigh bone in the the leg it just hit it just completely you could see the spot the point from that uh, tip on that muzzy you can uh -huh. see the end of it, and it just shattered it, you know, in, in like three pieces and a couple of little fragments. And and I've done that many times. I've hit other bones and and just, you know, it just blows right through them. Yeah, so, sometimes sometimes it does, and then sometimes it 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 stops at like a three foot three concrete wall, and you're wondering what what the heck happened. The, there's one spot on the shoulder mm -hmm. that that if plate you hit area. It, it's not going to go through and and sometimes if you hit them in the spine it doesn't go through that's a pretty tough part there too you yeah know, if you don't bust through that spine and mm -hmm. you know even 70 pounds at a close range is still you know you can still not get through you know didn't penetrate so there's a couple spots on them that you know even even a good muzzy tough broadhead isn't going to go through but sure i know my my first bow is when back when we shoot aluminums uh, I was shooting 25 or 2117s, uh, full length arrows. So they're they're normally 32 to 34 inches, you know, the, the arrows back when there's that aluminum. Yeah. And I had a hundred and I think 125 grain tip on it, shooting 52 pounds. 
and I was 20 feet up in the tree and the trail that I had, I had to get over some bushes. So I was 40 yards away and I, I shot my first, my first buck. And when that deer turned around, that arrow was sticking almost all the way out that deer. I think it stopped at the fletching, uh, almost a pass through at 52 pounds. Okay. On a 40 yard shot. And um, you don't need a lot of weight. Now, if I'd have had yeah. a little bit more, 60, they probably went through. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but that's pretty much all I could shoot. You know, that was, you know, enough to struggle. That was all the way down. A and then, you know, I'm shooting and I want to get up a little bit higher. So I'm shooting and I finally get up to, you know, 55 and 56. And, you know, it was tough to get above 60. You know, I just, I was shooting and shooting and shooting. And finally, I got up to like 62. And then it just went up to 70 with no problem after that. But, yeah. you know, it was, it was a work just to get up to 60 pounds, you know, so you don't have to shoot a lot of weight. You know, I, I know, you know, some, some kids, you know, some teenagers uh, that are shooting 35, 40 pounds and, and they're killing deer, no problem, you yep. know, with, with the 35, 40 pound bows. Um, you get a lot of the ladies, they're only, you know, some of the ladies, uh, you know, are shooting 40, 45 pounds. Yep, and they're they're knocking them down. So. Oh yeah, and, and they're killing them just fine. You know, yeah. I I do know uh, I did uh, meet a couple that are shooting 60, 70 pounds, but you know that's not many of them. Right. And and most of them aren't uh, aren't shooting a lot of weight. It's like you said, you, you don't need to. Um, you know, you don't need to shoot those 80, 90, 100 pound bows. Um, you know, without the proper form, it's just going to tear your shoulders up. Yeah, I guess until it uh, starts physically bothering me, I'm I'm gonna keep shooting shooting the seventy pound bow. Well, and one of the things they do is as you go in, if you straighten that arm out, that uh, the shoulder raises up, and that causes problems in the shoulder. So if you keep that down, keep a little bent in arm, and pushing that the holding hand forward as you're shooting, you're not gonna have problems with it. And then if you fall back and 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 you're using your back muscles to do the drawing, um, I've had my my right elbow, because that's when I draw with, uh, so sore I could hardly pick anything up with it, but I could draw my bow. Yeah, the the only thing that's got fatigued on me or, or been sore from shooting was that that left shoulder, the one that, you know, pushes the bow out. Right. And, and that's, take a look when you're shooting, you probably have that shoulder raised up a little bit. You know, that, okay. that's kind of the problem with that, drop it down. And, you know, when you're shooting, um, that's one thing you do in the Archstock 101 Facebook group, upload a video of your shooting and we'll take a look at it Okay, and, and, and give you some pointers. You know, that's one of the advantages of, of that Facebook group is, you know, you don't have to worry about everybody sold selling anything because you don't sell in it. There's none in it. If I see it, I delete it. Uh, the only links you're going to see is to archery events. If you want to, you know, want to know what archery events coming up or you have one come up, you know, post a link to it. And help you out that way. And if you want to upload a video, we'll critique it and, and give you some pointers. You know, that pretty much anybody can get a good critique. You know, I've I've even had some of looked at some that are, you know, professional Olympic archers. You know, it's like, hey, you know, something's not feeling. What is it? And you're looking and you're looking. It's like, oh, try this little, little bit of tweak. You know, and then you got the beginner that there's all kinds of things to fix. Sure. And. And, and, you know, whatever question you want to ask, you know, the only stupid question I say is the one you haven't asked. Uh, if, 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 you, if, 
Exactly. I agree with that 100%, Roy. Now, now, if you ask the same question 100 times, we're going to pretty much tell you it hasn't changed. <laughs> yeah, and, and nobody really asks it that many times, but, you know, ask a question, you know, and we answer that one, ask a different question. You know, you can ask questions all you want. And, you know, and then if you, you want some extra help, you know, we can get together and, and help you out that way. You know, I, sure. I, I can do online coaching and help people out that way. And that's that's a really uh, uh, advantageous, you know, of the way things work. You know, we got a Zoom here and, you know, it'd be real easy, you know, for you to shoot and me watch a shooting and we can critique it. And then, of course, we video it, um, like doing here, record it and they can play it back. And that's one nice thing about now is because we can record things and play them back and stop them with slow motion and all kinds of things now. And we can look at different things going on. You know, when I first learned this back in 95, your option was VCR recording. That was it. You know, and that that stopping those and recording those, you know, the, the quality of the picture was not yeah, near as come, good. We've the, come a the, long way since then. Yeah. These these phones have more features and better quality cameras than some of the professional digital cameras. It it is, yeah. You're you're absolutely right. It amazes like a, a friend of mine recently, we uh, were doing some filming out on the water and he's got the new iPhone. It is amazing the clarity and the definition that touch that thing can yeah. capture. Well, and my two here on, on, on the computer, I have a, a Logitech camera um, that I have. So I get some you know pretty good pictures rather than using the laptop one, it's not very good. So if I'm recording at the, can at the computer, I'm using that one. Otherwise, sure. everything I'm recording is is on the phone. You know, all yep. the YouTube videos I put out are all recorded on the phone. If I do um, any recording, it's it's on the phone because uh, it's just so many features. And I was talking to a lady, it's a professional photographer, and and she was saying that yeah, the cell phones take a much better picture than her digital camera, but it doesn't look good for a professional photographer going around with a cell phone taking pictures. <laughs> They got to have the big, you know, the big digital cameras and. Yep. I, uh, I just realized I did not bring my phone charger out here to the shop. Oh, <laughs> and I, I just got that, uh, little bleep come on my phone. Oh yeah. But... So we better, better kind of wrap this up before you well, kind of drop we've, off on us. <laughs> we've got, we've got 15% left. So we've. we've oh, Okay. Got... Yeah, we've we've probably got a, another at least you know 10, 15 minutes. I just, I just wanted to give you a heads up. Oh, my, <laughs> yeah, my apologies for not being prepared. Yeah. So I know you have the uh, fishing charter business. How would somebody get a hold of you if they're interested in doing uh, something like that? Yeah, it's a good question. So probably uh, the, the easiest way, most direct, would be just to give me a call uh, on my my personal uh, line. It's three three six. 988-1394. Uh, my website, you can go to Real Country, that's R-E-E-L, Real Country, G-S.com. And that, that'll show you like the services that we offer, where we fish, what bodies of water, what landings we take out from. And then I also uh, participate in social media. You've got uh, Facebook, um, I'm on TikTok as well, and, and Instagram. So, so any of those platforms would be good. 
Yeah, you should I'm, come down. You should come down, Roy, and fish with me. Get on some of these yeah. big blue cats. Yeah, that that sounds like fun. I've, I've got the rod and reels for them. It is. It is I a got lot some of pretty fun. heavy one. Yeah, yeah we'll, well, that, we'll have to do that. That's the great thing about going out with a you know a guide. You know, I'll provide all the safety equipment, all the rod and reels. I catch fresh bait. You know, I, I get up two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, go to the river, catch bait, get prepared for the day. Uh, takes all the work out of it for you as a customer. You, all you have to do is sit back and catch fish. It's a <laughs> yeah, good time. All I have to do is sit back and catch fish. Yeah, I think it'd be fun going out and catching the bait fish first. Yeah, some some people, you know, I have people request that they they want to learn how to do that. We we do that as well. Yeah, it gives you a longer time to fish. Yeah, it's yeah. uh catching catching bait. You know, it's I enjoy throwing a cast net and catching them, but uh, some of those mornings where you got to get up early, it's it's definitely work. Yeah, but, but still, man, do it. anything I could do to pursue my passion in the outdoors and get to call it a job. That's to me living the dream, brother. It's it's truly amazing. I've been very blessed these last few years, but it's been a good opportunity for me. Yeah, it it sounds like. And have you ever? Uh, going out bow fishing or take anybody out to bow fish i have not gotten into that Roy. you know i have never went I, i've never went bow fishing I've, I've got a a guy a friend of mine in the fishing community he's been trying to get me to go and i need to take the time to do it because here's the problem with, with uh <laughs> you know getting it becoming a guide and, and getting and networking with people from different uh different aspects of the outdoors they're always like Let's go duck hunting. Let's go bow fishing. Let's go do this. I know I don't need to pick up another addiction. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because I don't have the time. I really don't. Yeah. But, it's, uh, I need you kind of have to I'm pick up passions. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start making the time just just to at least to, to test the waters. But I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm gonna want to jump in full blown, just like I do everything else, and and get good at it. Yeah, sometimes we have to kind of stop one thing to do something different, and you know, I just kind of way it goes. Yep. Well, I'll, I'll look at a description for the podcast as well as on the YouTube channel. I'll post this up there. I'll put cool. uh, links to how to get a hold of you in there, and you know, we'll we'll get somebody coming out there. And it's been real great talking with you today. And absolutely. I know we're yeah, kind of pushing, pushing the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I always enjoy talking to people. You know, we got into other things. You know, we started off with fishing and getting archery. And yeah, we're yeah. just definitely, uh, um, you know, talking outdoors is is there, you know, because, you know, like you, you know, I hunt, you know, not just with a bow, but with a gun and shotgun. And I haven't done shotgun in a while because, you know, I'm getting older. My knees don't like me walking fields for pheasants, so I'd rather go sit for deer. Um, but you know, and fishing and you know, catfishing is what I normally like to fish for. And you know, sure. not the blues because I don't go to the river too often. I don't go to the lakes, but you know, hey, it, it's all it's all fun, you know. And it's just just getting in the outdoors, experiencing it, man. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Nice to sure. be outside. Indeed, indeed it is. But hey, thank you for reaching out to me, Roy. I appreciate the opportunity. I really enjoyed uh your time tonight and having me on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been great talking with you. My name is Roy Canterbury, and I host today on Archer Talk 101.